You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Monday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen Every day. Today on the podcast, we are going to close out our bi week discussions with a conversation regarding big picture items. The stuff we're going to be talking about in the offseason, the big decisions ahead for Brandon Bean, we are talking about them today with Greg Thompson, the host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast. And uh, Greg is just really good with this type of conversation, projecting contracts, looking at team needs, and talking about the salary cap. So Greg and I have a great conversation for you to listen to here in just a moment. But first, I do want to touch base on our programming this week. So tomorrow will be Herd Mentality. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, takes that you'd like me to get to on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter. My handle is at the Joe Marino. You can shoot me a DM or you can send me an email, joe at thedraftnetwork.com. That's going to be the podcast on Tuesday, and I'm recording it Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So if you have something, please send it in before then. On Wednesday, we'll have our comprehensive primer on the Miami Dolphins. It'll be a little bit different than our typical primer because we've already done a very in-depth primer on the Miami Dolphins. So we'll do a lot of the same elements, but it'll be updated to reflect what we've learned about that team since week two. And then on Thursday, our crossover discussion with Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. Friday will be banged up bills, my predictions, and leftover thoughts. And then we'll get you another episode of Tailgate Talk this week coming your way on Saturday. So a ton of great stuff here for you to listen to on the Locked On Bills podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. I'm joined now by Greg Tomset. He's the host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Tomset. He's a frequent guest on this podcast, and he joins me, I think, for the third year in a row to talk about big picture stuff during the Buffalo Bills bye week. So, Greg, thanks for doing this again. Hey, always a pleasure. Looking forward to uh, talking through some stuff that I hadn't really made myself think about yet. So it was uh, a fun exercise to get ready for. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, I mean, this was a very self-serving request for you to come on to this podcast. And me, go ahead and give you a bunch of the questions I'm going to get this offseason. You can give me those answers now, and then I'll just kind of reheat those takes later on. So, you know, look, it's it's good for today, but it's also good for tomorrow when I know that a lot of this stuff is stuff that's in your wheelhouse that people are going to be coming at you for this information anyway. So we might as well talk about it here today while we have an opportunity during the bye week. But before we get into all kinds of stuff about 
different assets and opportunities that the Bills are going to have to add to this football team. Let's talk about the 2021 version of the Buffalo Bills. Real quick, Greg, your general impressions on this football team through six games. Um, I, you know, obviously it's it's interesting to answer that question coming off a loss because there's always kind of a you know a cloud that that hangs over that. But obviously it's good. Uh, yeah, this is a very good team. The the offense is maybe close to what's expected, uh, maybe slightly less consistent. For me, the defense is better than I expected. Uh, I, I think that I expected them to be good and to rebound a little bit. But I think that this is looking. It, it was never going to be the 2000 Ravens, the 85 Bears, all the crazy high-level things that were put in place. But I do think that some of the 2018, 2019, you know, top five-ish defense type things are in play. Um, obviously got over the KC hump, which a lot of people simply had the mentality that I'll believe the Bills can beat the Kansas City Chiefs when I see the Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, now you've seen that. Um, so, But they've obviously shown they're not invincible. Uh, I think they've shown they're one of the best teams in the league, but still have to show up to play every week, and uh, that's a pretty good place to be in. Yeah, they don't just hand you the Super Bowl trophy um, <laughs> because you think you you have a good chance at winning it. you got to go out and do it. But um, you and I kind of chit-chatted before we started recording, and I think we both look very favorably on – the way this team can finish the season looking like, I don't know, on the low end, eight wins, probably nine or 10 wins the rest of the way in contention for a top two seed. And so while everyone is definitely in their feelings with a kind of a heartbreaking last second loss to the Titans, I mean, everything that we talked about this team achieving before the season is absolutely within reach. 100%. Every single thing was in play, and it's it's the same message I, I gave folks on our show heading into the Kansas City game is that I know this means a lot. I know it has a lot of emotional value. I even know that it has some long-term tiebreaker value. It's still one of 17 games, and if they blow out the Chiefs, it doesn't mean the Chiefs can't beat them in the playoffs. Yeah. And if they get rolled by the Chiefs, it doesn't mean they can't beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. It's the exact same thing for the Titans. Just because that game happened, if they play them again, I'm not that concerned, and I think the Bills will beat the Titans. Copy-paste all those talking points for Week 14 against the Bucks, which is not that important of a game, considering it's an <laughs> NFC game, right? It's the, the disappointing thing for me is that the Bills have two losses, and they're both conference losses, which is critical for tiebreaker purposes. But, uh, Greg, you, we've seen this team play six games so far, and you, know, you can kind of forecast it the rest of the way. But based on what you've learned about this team, and without getting into how, what do you think are the most important areas for Brandon Bean to address this coming offseason? The, the great part is this was harder than I expected it to be because there's not a lot of holes. There's just not that many huge glaring needs. Uh, the only one for me that is, I'll put as glaring, is that interior offensive line guard spot, uh, you know, and that, you know, obviously all the work that you do, I don't know that that's, Oh, we now have to spend a first round pick on a guard. I, you know, it doesn't normally work that way, but that's probably the most glaring need going into the offseason. And then, you know, we, we probably could use another round of pass rush reinforcement with the, the age of some guys coming up. Um, right now, it kind of shows maybe we could use some depth at tight end, some depth at linebacker, maybe some excitement at running back, a one tech D tackle. It's all kind of wherever you go. And then there'll always be the faction of people looking to upgrade Levi Wallace every year. Mm -hmm. so, um, everyone yeah. always wants a, a new outside cornerback, but, oh, and uh, we still need a punter. 
uh, <laughs> but be, beyond those things, uh, it's it's nice that it's that it's kind of hard to pick out the glaring needs. Greg, on the punter thing, I think we need to learn to be comfortable with Matt Hack because <sighs> or Matt Hawk. You you heard Bean talk about it. They wanted him and Bass on the same contract, right? The, they both have three year deals, and I think they really care about the holding piece of it and and what that means for the consistency for Tyler Bass. So while I wish there was more consistency from from Matt Hawk, from both a painting team's deep perspective and, you know, when he has a chance to flip the field, I think that they're married to this guy. Yeah, and not giving me Ajita for every his glacial pace of getting the ball off every time he punts. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's when the punter is giving me anxiety, um, it shows us probably we got some first-world problems here. Yeah. Well, as far as my take on – Areas of the team that Bean will need to address in the offseason, I would agree with you. Number one is the interior offensive line, and it's a great draft to find those those types of players. They could go the veteran route, but nonetheless, there'll be opportunities. I think interior defensive line is a sneaky need where you have three players in Harrison Phillips, Justin or yeah, Justin Zimmer, and Vernon Butler who are all expiring contracts. And so I'm I'm big into IDL and interior offensive line. Of course, there's depth concerns in the tight end stuff. Uh, Levi Wallace's contract situation is interesting. I'm I'm always talking wide receivers because I think it's so important to this team. And you know, hopefully the Bills win the Super Bowl and Emmanuel Sanders retires. If that does happen, then you know the Bills need to replace Emmanuel Sanders. I think we're all learning how important that number two receiver is outside, opposite of Stefan Diggs. So. I guess the, the top three for me is interior offensive line, interior defensive line, and wide receiver before we start talking about those depth things. So, you know, it's it's not a completely perfect team, and, and needs will sneak up on you quick, right? Depth gets stressed quickly in the NFL. And so as we consider some of the things that Bean's going to need to do next offseason, can you fill us in on what resources the Bills have? How much cap space today? How much entering the offseason? And if you have an update on the draft capital that the Bills own at this point going into the 2022 draft. So cap space during the year is always a very fluid thing. So anytime you call a guy up that hasn't been on the roster, you're paying like that one seventeenth of a minimum game check. So some of the different sites out there are not always precise on like in that moment um the bill's current cap space is right between three and a half and four and a half million um i have it at 4.3 million i think that's pretty close um to where they're at and that's right now looking pretty good because those have had very favorable injury luck they haven't had to do a great deal of additional signings and moves um next year already counting the taron johnson uh extension and tremaine edmonds fifth year uh, option, they have 15.2 million. So they're in okay shape. They're not flush with cash, um, but they're in pretty good shape. If we roll over a little bit, which I would expect, I don't know that it'll be all 4.3 million, but a couple bucks. Um, we also have to keep in mind, there's a sneaky element of when Brandon Bean did a lot of the restructures and what we deter- we called pay cuts, a lot of them were converting pieces of base salary into not likely to be earned incentives. Um, 
they don't disclose what those are. So we don't get to see the details of those. But for someone like Mitch Morris, I'm going to guess it was games played or snaps played. Well, he hasn't missed any yet so far. If he goes the whole season without missing any, that means he will hit those. They didn't count against the cap because they were not likely to be earned. For a guy like him, if you play 14 games, if they said, it, hey, your incentive is to play 15 games, the way the NFLPA structure works is, oh, since you didn't achieve that last year, we're going to count it as not likely to be earned. They did that with several guys. So obviously it's not looking like Brandon Butler is going to hit any not likely to be earned incentives. Um, I, I'm going to guess Mario Addison isn't either. I'm going to guess Mitch Morris might. Um, so there's different pieces like that that could affect it and soak up a little bit. But my guess is they go in with... Um, I'll say before any other cuts or restructures, probably in the 16, 17 million dollar cap space range. And then draft capital, we have all of our own picks and the lovely extra seventh rounder from Lee Smith, which if it had any conditions, it certainly already qualified because he made the roster and is playing now and caught a touchdown. And that's good because we talked, we, well, we didn't talk, we heard from Brandon Bean after the draft last year. And part of the reason he traded back was to get some extra late picks because he didn't think that UDFAs were going to want to come to Buffalo. I think he was right about that. And so that gives the the Bills another opportunity to get a young player uh, on the roster that they can try to keep. Uh, Obviously, you know, a lot of the Bills players are locked up for multiple seasons. And so it's going to continue to be a tough roster to crack. Hey, Bills fans, this is Joe Marino with an incredible app. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about get upside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. They have coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, orange, strawberry, salted caramel, so many great flavors. And look, maybe you don't know where to start. You can try them all with a mixed box. That's where you can get two of each of the nine flavors, try them all, figure out which ones are your favorites. And not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars on the planet, they're healthy too. Check out these macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein, Calories range from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. The flavors are amazing, they're all tasty, and they're all healthy. I've got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Our guest today is Greg Tomset, the host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Tomset, him and Aaron Quinn with the post-game live shows uh, after Bill's games. You also have some fantasy stuff going on. So, Greg, why don't you tell everybody uh, where they can find more of your work if they like what they hear? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can come over. You can find me at Greg Thompson on Twitter, but always doing work on Cover One at CoverOne.net. You can find our YouTube channel, uh, find for Cover One with all, all of our shows, but I'm on the Cover One Buffalo preview and postgame shows as well as our Cover One fantasy show. Uh, but always hanging out on Twitter, having fun, and in our Slack channel with uh, all the different folks talking bills and, and having a good time. Your meme game on Twitter has been really good lately, whether it's you know quote tweeting videos and stuff. I'm like, all right, Greg's Greg's getting off of the uh, the bills and you know your, your wonderful grilling you know adventures that you have on the weekends, and now we're seeing some some comedy coming out of the Greg Thompson account more <laughs> than you get from fun. me these days for sure. I like to have some fun with it if I can. <laughs> good on you. So, all right, let's get a little bit more specific now. We've talked about the needs potentially we've talked about the resources and now let's get specific. I think one of the big talking points that's going to come up in the off season is the decision the bills need to make on Ed Oliver and his fifth year option. So uh, can you break down for us what it's going to cost to pick that up for the bills and what you think they should do with Ed Oliver and that fifth year option? So real quick background, uh, as some people probably are aware, they restructured the way that the fifth-year option works. This past year, we know that came up where we were excited about the step forward for Josh Allen, but it actually ended up costing more when he qualified for the Pro Bowl. The fifth-year option is split up into four tiers. You have the basic tier where you, you get a set amount. Then there's a, a step up for playing time. There's a step up for one Pro Bowl. There's a step up for multiple Pro Bowls. Um, obviously, Ed Oliver hasn't qualified for any Pro Bowls, but he does play enough snaps where it's either 75% of snaps in two out of three years or the average over the three years or 50% plus in every year. He's played 53%, 53%, and this year at 57. So short of an injury, we're going to assume that he's going to continue on that pace. That puts him a defensive tackle at the playtime tier of $10 million. It's almost exactly as 10.06 is the current calculation or estimate I've seen put out there. That sounds like a lot of money. Um, for a frame of reference, Players that recently signed deals at defensive tackle for $10 million are Jordan Phillips, Grover mm -hmm. Stewart, Eddie Goldman, Michael Pierce, Delvin Tomlinson. You know, Aaron Donald and DeForest Buckner and Chris Jones are all $20 million plus. Like the, it is a different stratosphere. Um, it, it's super similar to Tremaine Edmonds for me. It, it's that, all right, is that an ideal number that I'm excited to spend right now on what exactly what we've seen in production? No, I don't know that I'm excited to say that, yes, I want $10 million on that Oliver. But in my opinion, I think you have to exercise it to continue with the evaluation. You get all of next year and the following year. And hopefully, like in my opinion, what we are seeing from Tremaine Edmonds this year, um, hopefully you see a step forward and you see continued uh, evolution in that range. So although I, I maybe do it with a, a little bit of a, a grimace, um, I think I exercise it and pull the the option on the fifth year for Ed Oliver at $10 million. I see it the same way. Um, I think Oliver's on a good trajectory. I think we had some disappointment in him last year, which I think we we're all kind of expecting a year two jump. And some of the dynamics with that defensive line just did not set up well for Ed to really capitalize on the opportunity. He's playing better this year. That we want to see more impact plays. I think he impacts the game, but you know, more finishing behind the line of scrimmage. And I think you need to give yourself this year, next year, and the following year to find that out. And I think Tremaine Edmonds is a great parallel because a lot of what they were asked to do in college is different than what the Bills yeah. are asking them to do. And that stuff takes time. Like I think we take for granted 
sometimes the what it goes into learning technique and not only learning technique, but learning it at the highest level you possibly can in the National Football League. And you know, sometimes it takes a little time for these players to get there. So I'm with you on Ed Oliver and the path forward there. I don't blink at 10 million. You know, like you mentioned, Jordan Phillips, that three-year, $30 million deal, which I know Arizona regrets right now. <laughs> so I think he's played in like a couple Quick of Quick aside, do you want to know how Arizona made room for Zach yeah. Ertz to trade for him? Tell By converting over more of Jordan yeah. Phillips' money. So now not only did they give him three years, $30 million, they can't even get out of it next year. He's now locked in for another year because they converted <laughs> a chunk of it to make room for Zach Ertz. Here's my back. Here, I'll give you. I'll give Jordan Phillips a backhanded compliment right now. I think that Vernon Butler is the D minus version of Jordan Phillips. Oh, yeah, that makes me sad that that's true. <laughs> oh boy. Yep. All right. So let's let's talk about some expiring contracts here for the Bills. Um, I know it's never exciting to read a list, but I'm going to read a list so that everybody can know who the expiring contracts are. And, and Greg, I'd like your thoughts on who you see walking who you think they will prioritize to be back, who's on the bubble, and then just maybe some general ideas on the cap space required to bring back these players that you might identify as as guys that the Bills should retain. So expiring contracts right now. Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, Emmanuel Sanders, Mitchell Trubisky, Ike Bakker, Levi Wallace, Taiwan Jones, F.A. Obata, Isaiah McKenzie, Matt Breida, Reed Ferguson, Harrison Phillips, Justin Zimmer, Saran Neal, Ryan Bates, who's a restricted free agent, and Tyrell Dotson, who's an exclusive rights free agent. So I approached this in four buckets. Um, I had top priority, welcome back, but maybe cheaper, welcome back for about the same, and then not concerned if they leave. Uh, so top priority for me, I have Levi Wallace, uh, just because he's shown a capacity to start in this defense, he's been pretty modestly paid. So he's mm -hmm. been like 1.75 million this year. And that was with an opportunity to be on the open market. So I think he's taken a slight step forward this year, maybe a little bit more play on, you know, some ball skills, a little more aggression, but still the limited player that he is. He to me is a, a two to three million dollar player. Maybe we give him a little security. I even went at the high end. I said two years, six million, three million a year. Maybe take up a little bit of space. Um, I won't be shocked if it's closer to his current deal and it's just a two year, three point five million dollar deal. Probably at his exact one is the Kevin Johnson contract one to point to here as a as a parallel. And I, I'm blanking on what the Bills gave Kevin Johnson one year, three and a half million that could go up to six. Like could could they sign Levi Wallace for like a two year six million dollar deal? Yeah, I have it exactly at that right now. Okay. Two year six, and it has some incentives. Yeah. Uh, maybe even a little bit lower. Maybe the base is initially two years for four million for two million each with incentives where he could yeah. go up. Um, but that's the range. That's the range. He's not all of a sudden going to jump into a Taron Johnson or a, mm -hmm. um, you know Chris Harris or a ten million dollar range. It's going to be in that lower range, which in my opinion is worth it, even if they pick a cornerback in the yeah, first round next for sure. year or something. No you know, whatever. It's, it's, he's worth having on the team at that number. Um, I also have Emmanuel Sanders as a priority. Obviously, I hope we win the Super Bowl and he rides off into the sunset retiring and everything's magical, and then we have to worry about that problem at that point. Um, he's really good at football. He's still very, very good. He's still explosive. Um, if he wants to stay and it costs yeah. another $6 million for him to say, God bless him. He can yeah. have every dollar of it. 
100% fine with that. Um, if he doesn't, we have a hole that would need to be filled. Um, but I have him in as the exact same deal. Maybe they do the void years and kind of spread out some of the hit again. But another $6 million check for him, sign me up. My next tier, I said, would be welcome back, but maybe I'd want a little bit cheaper. I put Jerry Hughes and Ike Bakker. Um, I'd welcome back Ike Bakker. He's not worth $2 million and change. He's fine as a minimum deal. He can come back as whatever and to compete his depth on the team. And Jerry, he's obviously no longer an 8 or $9 million player anymore. The going rate for those Justin Houston's and Everson Griffin's and those kind of mid thirties pass rushers. You know, if we can get him back for four to five million dollars, like I might Gordon. let him rotate. Or not or exactly. Melvin Ingram. Yeah, Melvin, Melvin Ingram type deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if we get him back there, um, for as much as I, I still have the exact same frustration I've had for a couple of years, I would love more finishes on the pressures we see, but he's still creating pressure. He's still leading the team in pressures. He's still getting to the quarterback. He's obviously getting to the point he's a year or two younger than Mario Addison. He's getting to where Addison is now where, hey, you're probably more of a 35 or 40% snap guy. You're not the 50, 60% snap guy anymore. Um, I think he's got another year or two of that, and I'd be happy for him to retire as a bill and have another year or two of that. Um, My next one was welcome back, but the same. Um, If Mitch Trubisky wants to come back for the same deal, God bless him. Uh, If he has an opportunity elsewhere, which I assume he wants, I'll, I'll assume he wants to pursue that but if he simply likes it here and wants to collect a check come on back (laughs) sure um other guys like isaiah mckenzie justin zimmer harrison phillips saran neal right um i'll even i'll stop there for a moment those guys are all slightly above minimum guys they're in that you know hey we'll give you 1.5 million we'll give you 1.25 million it's not a minimum deal but you're not going to go break the bank elsewhere um the only guy I have a sneaking suspicion about is could someone dumb try to throw a bunch of money at Justin Zimmer at like four or five million dollars for the hustle? I, I I don't know that I anticipate it, but uh, maybe he sneaks the, out a little. The bit The NFL's money. had their chance to sign Justin Zimmer for so many years. Times. You know so what I mean? <laughs> so like maybe, but. That's probably past him by. And he's not like super young either, right? So Correct. like he'll be going into like age 29 yeah. season here. Yeah. Um, I also threw in Ryan Bates, Terrell Dodson, Jake Kumaro. Guys that hey, you know, I'd like to have them back. They're good, healthy depth. Um, and they're gonna be minimum-ish guys. So almost none of them impact the cap in the grand scheme of things. That you know, maybe it's <clears throat> five hundred thousand dollars here. $400,000 there more than the minimum where when you're doing that, you know, the top 51 calculation that, that they do, it just doesn't soak up extra cap space. So I don't know that any of them are going to impact it, but they're all guys that would welcome back in the bucket of, I'm not concerned if they leave is Mario Addison, Vernon Butler. I put Taiwan Jones here. Just, I think the age is starting to get there. F.A. Obata, because I, I don't know that I've seen, Anything that makes me super excited that I'd be concerned, Brian Cox Jr. and Matt Breida. You know, that if the team wants them back, I won't throw a fit, but I'm not going to be concerned if they leave. Well, and I think to your to your point about tiering these these guys and you 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 put in your your top priority, Levi Wallace and Emmanuel Sanders. If it's not those two players, you have to bring in somebody to start at those spots. And so I think we see this very, very similarly. Um in I mean, as we consider upgrades, as we consider extensions, 
do you feel like the Bills are okay at this that this fifteen million ish range uh, to sign their draft class to to bring back the players they want to and you know maybe find different spots where they can bring in different players? Um, they do have some options. So a lot of the guys. That, the good news is uh, the same way we talked about the needs. There are not a ton of holes because there's not a ton of high level pending free agents. We just picked up two starting spots out of the entire roster. Like mm-hmm. there's just not that many. We have guys back. Now, some players where you have the option of cutting them because you think you can improve, you can get a better value, or you simply want a fresh start. Um, The most obvious one, and the only one I actually fully expect, is AJ Klein. AJ Klein, you have about 5.6 million. You can save 5.2 and only eat 400,000 as a dead cap hit. That is an easy, absolute day one cut. All of a sudden, we jump from that 16, 17 million to 22 million. Mm -hmm. That's an easy one. And that third linebacker spot, we can afford to replace elsewhere or just develop the Andre Smiths and Terrell Dodsons of the world to to play in that role if we want to. Now that Milano and Edmonds are becoming more of the veterans, you don't absolutely need that. Some of the tougher ones, Cole Beasley's deal is $7.1 million if we cut him. It's a $1 million dead cap hit, and you save $6.1 million. Um, He's probably borderline for me of either a restructure where they go to him like they went to uh, Mitch Morris, like they went to Vernon Butler, like they went to AJ Klein and said, hey, we're going to need a little bit back here if you want to stay. We'll convert some into a not likely to be earned incentive, which with the production that Beasley has this year, that's not going to be a terrible number to find is that, hey, his production's down a little bit. You could set a not likely to be earned incentive and make it achievable for him. Um, but that $6.1 million is a material number. That's something that they're going to look at. Another one is John Feliciano. Um, I know he's a fan favorite. I know he's a Josh Allen favorite. I think that he's well-liked in the locker room. Those will be things in his favor and reasons that could help. It's $5.25 million. It's a $1.5 dead cap hit, which is the highest of any of the guys I've listed, but is not nothing. Uh, it's it's something, but it's doable. It's $3.75 million in savings if we cut John Feliciano. Um, that one is a big one that's going to be pretty directly based on the alternative options. If we go after someone, I, I said at the time when he was a free agent last year, ideally, John Feliciano is your sixth lineman. He's your versatile interior backup at all three spots he can play at all the different places when you're leaning on him to start all the time you see some of the things that we see here uh, and i also listed matt hawk just out of frustration um <laughs> that it's, you could save 1.2 million dollars and eat a seven hundred thousand dollar dead cap hit but i'll probably just have to tolerate him and i i'm going to take a quick side rant for a quick moment Every time someone sends me a video of Corey Bajorquez punts in Green Bay, I want to send back to them the video of Mason Crosby <laughs> screaming at Corey Bajorquez on the day that Mason Crosby missed three field goals in Cincinnati. And every single time it was Corey Bajorquez's fault because he's a horrible holder. Yep. So, yes, I get it that he's got a cannon and can kick the ball a mile. He can't hold for extra points and field goals to save his life. He's not the answer either. I don't want Matt Hawk to be the answer. Corey Bajorquez is also not the answer. So if you found, uh, I'm not a math guy. You're the math guy. Around 14 million. Uh, uh, so 20 million in contracts. We would eat 3.6 in dead cap and create 16.25 million without Matt Hawk. 15 million in additional cap space. 
you want to get me nervous about the 2022 Buffalo Bills, you tell me that they don't have Sanders or Beasley. So uh, I hope that those are more extension. Yeah, I know that Sanders is a new contract that we the Bills would have to deal with, but Beasley, man, I I, um, I know he's not necessarily an every week prominent piece of this game plan. I know he means a lot to Josh Allen. And it, it was one of my takes. I forgot which game it was, maybe the Washington game. It was whatever game he had the career high 11 catches. Was that Washington? I think it was. Yes. And I said to myself, and I, well, and, and to oh, the listeners, Miami. It was Miami. It was Miami. Yeah. I said, whenever Josh needs to find rhythm, Cole Beasley's so valuable for that when he's kind of playing a little bit rough around the edges or chasing some big plays. Knowing that Cole Beasley can run a choice route, get open, and just keep him in rhythm from time to time, I, I think is invaluable to a player like Josh Allen. And so um, I'm hopeful that the Bills can get the best of both worlds with that situation and keep him and potentially lower that cap figure and maybe even extend him because I would hate for two of the top three receivers in this offense to be new, you know, for the, for next season. But, um, you know, we'll worry about that when we have to get there. The point here was to talk about opportunities. And so Greg, let's close with this. Um, we've seen Brandon Bean get ahead of expiring contracts for players that he wants to keep. Um, are there any extensions that you see coming down this offseason for a guy that might be up in the future? Tremaine Edmonds, obviously a big name in that category. Uh, so I'd like you to talk about Tremaine and what your thoughts are for an extension for him. But are there any other players that fall into this bucket? And I also want to sneak this into uh, my question. It's more of a statement to, to accompany it. This team has gotten a lot more expensive, right? <laughs> like yeah. If you think about what the Bills were paying two years ago or three years ago for Trey White and Josh Allen and Taron Johnson and Deion Dawkins and Matt Milano, like Daryl Williams, like this team, as you hit on draft picks, it becomes expensive. And so at, at some point the bills need an influx of, of cheap labor. And that's why I'm so excited about Groot. That's why I'm so excited about Spencer Brown, two premium positions where you can have an answer, you know, an impact answer on a rookie deal. And I think the bills are going to need a lot more of that, moving forward, but um, kind of circling back and, and lasering in on the question at hand, contracts that you think Bean could get ahead of and specifically the Tremaine Edmond situation? So there aren't a ton. I, honestly, one of the only other proactive extensions is maybe Dawson Knox. Uh, so he's under contract this year and next year, but it expires after 2022, his rookie deal. Um, yeah, obviously with the play he's shown here, assuming his hand comes back, I know you know you were leading the charge of uh, you know <laughs> holding out hope and, and remaining uh, you know optimistic with the development of his athletic skills, and we're seeing that you know come through in spades this year. So he's probably one of the only other ones. I, I guess technically, if they like Jaquan Johnson, you could try to get a year or two you know cheap thing, but mm -hmm. that, that's an easy one just to resend when he comes up. There really aren't a ton of other. Obviously, Taron Johnson was the by far the number one. Dawson Knox is the only other one that really stands out as a proactive extension. Everybody else is someone that, sure, I want him back, but you do that in the spring when their contract's up. It's not someone you sign ahead of time. Um, a couple other ones that if you wanted to create space, there's you could play around a Deion Dawkins deal. M maybe Mitch Morris is one that you would do an extra year. I think that some people have started to shed a light on he's probably – 
gotten a little harsher treatment than necessary. Like he's playing better than people like to, to think. So um, he's someone who the last year of his deal is next year. It's a pretty high cap number. You could do a one-year extension and probably save yourself three or $4 million on how you mess with that. Um, and then they have the things you could do with Trey White or Matt Milano's deal base salary restructured, you could create seven and $5 million with those guys if you needed to do something. Um, beyond that, Tremaine Edmonds is the, the number at hand. It's everyone brings up the wrong people, in my opinion, when they talk about Tremaine, because the first names they go to are, yeah, but have you seen the contracts for Darius Leonard and Fred Warner and, you know, Bobby Wagner? But well, yeah, I have, but that's not who Tremaine is. Like he, he's not playing at an all pro level. Like he's a good player and good players at linebacker, like Miles Jack, like Deion Jones, like Zach Cunningham, like Levante David, like Shaq Thompson. Those are very good players. There's some pro bowls on the list that I just rattled off. That's the area in my mind that Tremaine Edmonds is looking at. So I currently have it at about $13.5 million a year, a four-year $54 million deal that they would announce it with the fifth-year option, like a five-year $66 million deal. Um, and that, yes, it's more than Matt Milano. And in a vacuum, I, I don't know that he deserves more money than Matt Milano. But in today's NFL, with his age, with his potential, with his physical gifts, with his draft pedigree and the way that other teams liked him coming out in the draft, he would get more than that on the open market, more than Matt Milano on the open market. I do joke that, you know, I'm assuming the first day of negotiations with Tremaine Edmonds' team, Brandon Bean just slides a picture of Matt Milano across <laughs> the table with like Milano's contract written at the top. Um, but I, I think that Tremaine is looking better and better every game. He's making more of the impact plays people want. And I think a lot of informed people are helping share how much other impact he has, how much he takes away, how many things don't happen that you don't realize they didn't happen because Tremaine, his pterodactyl wingspan is sitting there in the middle of the field, taking away those options. Greg, I want to sneak one in on you here um, because I'm expecting at some point Stefan Diggs is going to wake up and realize that he's nowhere near compensated to the level of his play. And no matter what you look at, whether it's total value, average per year, guaranteed money, I mean, Stefan Diggs is severely underpaid. And so just any thoughts that you might have about Diggs, his contract situation and what Brandon Bean might do to keep him happy. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation. I've, you know, I've explained some before that he he signed a very good deal at the time. Like it was well compensated, five years, seventy-two million with the Vikings before he got traded. Um, it was a very solid deal getting getting what he had of the fourteen and a half million a year. Um, now guys of his caliber are getting twenty and twenty-five million dollars. Like it's it's a higher level. He's signed this year and then two more years in twenty twenty-two and twenty twenty-three. Um, so you know, he's he doesn't have a lot of direct leverage, but this offseason, it's getting to the point where that's now more normal in play. I think Brandon Bean does care a bit about the principle of, hey, we're not going to rip up deals with three and four years left on them. That's a bad precedent to set. But coming into this offseason where there's two years left, now it can be viewed as proactive planning. And that I think when you look at that and those two years where you still have I'm doing some math, you know, quickly while while we're doing it live here. Um, you know, about two years, twenty five million, just over that in the two years remaining. 
you could do a two-year 40, two-year $45 million extension where you're committing to him at market levels, but then you're basically spreading it out over the four years because you're giving him two years at that high compensation level, but you're not just capping it onto the end. You're kind of spreading it out. So you take two years and 25, two years and 45. We'll say they give him $22.5 a, a year, which is crazy, but is what those guys get. Now, all of a sudden, it's really four years and 70. And four years and 70, now you can spread it out to be more like 17 and a half million a year is kind of palatable. You give him a nice big check up front. So he's happy and stays the what we've seen as a captain mm-hmm. and a, a great supportive player and a leader, and that he feels respected from a, a market value standpoint. Um, and you also make it pretty manageable in the way that it's done. And you can keep some of those cap figures. Cause once you get into 2024, 2025, you are talking about some of the new TV deal money hitting and where the cap may be hitting 250, 260 in some of those years where it's going to really start jumping. Um, so I think doing it proactively ahead this spring where it's going to give him and his representation the big headline they'll lead the chiron you know and all the sports shows that day he'll get his car wash to go through all the different ones to do his interviews about how he's happy to spend the rest of his career with the bills and be paid as one of the top receivers in the nfl by the time that money comes due it's actually going to be okay it isn't going to be as big of a deal but i do think i think that's very likely to happen this offseason and the bills have in each of the last two off seasons done different things to give Steph a little bit more money, if I'm not mistaken. So they're definitely, there's definitely been dialogue. So Brandon Bean's not going to wake up one day and be surprised that there's something to look at here. So they, they, I am, I am confident they are well aware of what he feels his value is. Right, 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 right. Greg, I appreciate you, man. Uh, this is a fun conversation. I wish the bye week was later in the season so that this stuff feels a little bit more uh, pressing, but it won't be long until this is the stuff we're talking about every week until the draft and free agency and, and all the all the speculation that goes into it. Hopefully a very short offseason for the Bills this time around. But uh, I do appreciate your time and make sure everyone goes and follows Greg on, on Twitter at Greg Thompson. And, of course, listens to the Cover One Buffalo podcast. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Tomorrow is Herd Mentality, so don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed, rate, review, and share the podcast. I hope you have a great Monday, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.